Well, there you go. All right, epic. So this is hopefully the first of many uh, more regular, something like a core engineering call for the Beanstalk ecosystem at large. Uh, at this point, there's a lot of development happening. I think we'll we'll have to figure out what is the right time to have these calls every week or at what interval, but uh, particularly given how uh, regularly people are commenting in the Discord about lack of uh, ability to comment on the direction of development. I feel like these types of calls where discussion on what's being developed, uh, who's building what, why they're building it, uh, and also discussions on what to be built in the future uh, are really important to be having had uh, to, to be had out in the open. And uh, with that in mind, we thought that it would be a good idea to start talking about uh, some of the more uh, technical details or open questions on the roadmap, uh, some of the people that are building uh, protocols related to Beanstalk in some capacity uh, can talk about what they're building and uh, how it fits into the ecosystem. And hopefully that can paint a, a, a better picture as to where, where we think uh, where we think Beanstalk is headed based on what everyone's working on and therefore everyone can have a more constructive discussion on what should be, what should be changing. So, uh, uh, or or what what should be done or what should be worked on. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, maybe uh, Publius, it would be great if you just gave an overview of uh, wells, uh, what what wells are, uh, what the general concept is, why you've been working on it, and uh, how it fits into Beanstalk in general, and why why we think that it's been. Uh, a very important thing to build uh, over the past couple of months and perhaps also why it's taken so long and where we're at in development. And I uh, know those are a lot of questions and happy to repeat some of them uh, uh, if you'd like. Thank you, Publius. Uh, we'll try the best to explain, you know, answer as many of them as possible in the first go. Um, you know, ultimately... Uh, the idea for Wells was born, uh, you know, kind of when, uh, you know, assessing the different options for how Beanstalk could deploy liquidity throughout DeFi. And it was ultimately, it ult the, the, the need to start development of some sort of decentralized on-chain representation of, you know, some form of trade. Uh, was born due to the lack of customizability uh, of existing on-chain technologies. Something like Uniswap V2 uh, was inflexible in regards to the pricing curve it supported and the fee it offered and the number of tokens it offered. Things like Curve didn't have uh, as good of an Oracle solution or removed the Oracle entirely or had limitations around the different types of tokens that could be in a pool. So ultimately, given that, you know, kind of the goal is to be able to, you know, represent any sort of, you know, abstracted on-chain position in some form of liquidity market, 
it seemed like it made sense to start allocating effort and you know research into different ways to provide the you know the best in user interface for some sort of on-chain liquidity book um and you know ultimately uh as well during the time of replant it became quite clear that um you know uh Beanstalk needed to, you know, maintain some exposure to ETH given the nature of ETH decentralization and, you know, concerns with existing tokens in the three-curve pool. And it felt like a good time to kind of, you know, release the first or, you know, create the first version of, you know, the first iteration of a decentralized, customizable on-chain liquidity book and kind of around that time you know kind of the full scale of kind of you know development started on the project and you know ultimately um it's been through many iterations to get to the place that it's in and there's still much more functionality that needs to be enabled going forward um the main sentiment around why um you know beanstalk needed to start you know to, to do this for the beneath pool was that existing on-chain Oracle solutions were no longer manipulation resistant when the merge occurred. The merge introduced a new type of attack vector where a single entity could propose two blocks consecutively on the blockchain, which allows for a multi-block uh, you know, manipulation of on-chain balances. So any sort of Oracle that filtered in current balances TWAPed over some period of time had a new vulnerability where someone could manipulate the balance to be as high as they wanted for a block or as much as they could pay to increase it. And especially given the nature of, uh, you know, how Beanstalk wants to move to a zero fee or wants to experiment with some zero fee options and pools, um it uh you know it, it it you know kind of that opens the door to this type of manipulation even more as the cost to change the discrepancy in liquidity pools is is, is free um so you know kind of the creating a composable and effective on-chain oracle solution became a requirement you know as you know there wasn't any you know as beanstalk uh, you know, has always used decentralized on-chain oracles. And, you know, it probably makes sense to keep it that way in the foreseeable future. So kind of the culmination of that idea uh, or of the need for an on-chain oracle and the need for a customized on-chain decentralized exchange um, ultimately came together with the, the wells, uh, you know, that's currently, you know, now under audit. And you know, kind of what that consists of is a single on-chain representation of a liquidity position and some modular way to attach different oracles to that liquidity position. Now, in practice, the only or the main reason to have liquidity on-chain versus off-chain is because when liquidity is on-chain, the liquidity can serve as proof of its own existence. And therefore, other protocols can use proof of that order in order to 
determine the price of things on chain. And why this is important as, you know, existing, you know, uh, off-chain order book solutions or potential off-chain order book solutions, such as Tractor or existing ones such as, you know, Seaport, um, can serve as potentially fully customizable order books with free order creation. Uh, but if the orders are not stored on chain, then there's no way to determine what that order is from, from you know, the blockchain. And therefore, um, you know, there's no way to leverage that as proof of liquidity in a decentralized way. So kind of why this is a relevant topic of discussion is, you know, the current existing, uh, you know, Wells architecture does not, you know, or, you know, does supports the ability for some kind of abstract pricing function on top of the well. It supports n dimensionality, which seem to be at a base level of the requirements for you know fully composable and comp uh, customizable on chain experience. But where it lacks is mostly in terms of composability. Um, you know, kind of the fact that in order to have a valid on chain oracle, the oracle needs to be updated every time one of the dependent variables updates. Now, if the pricing function is not constant, the pricing function itself is a dependent variable. And therefore, when the pricing function changes, an oracle such as a pump needs to be updated. And currently, there does not appear to be a solution on chain that allows data uh, to, you know, kind of, or, or that allows, you know, flow, you know, to, or, you know, allow a function call to, or force a function call to update a pump when it changes the underlying state of a well function, given that a well function can be deployed as fully abstract. So secondly, from a Beanstalk perspective, in an ideal sense, Beanstalk is able to, you know, without the need for an on-chain vote, permit any liquidity that is supported by stockholders to be deposited into and out of the silo. And in the current state, all existing positions are represented as unique ERC-20 tokens. And increasing the kind of composability of allowing one well to process numerous different types of orders allows it easier for Beanstalk to interface with liquidity positions of a more diverse nature that are, you know, kind of of the same token. So for instance, something like Uniswap v3 or Trader Joe v2, which leverages some sort of tick system in order to allow people to deploy liquidity uh, on different ranges. And it's important to note that, you know, kind of merging that existing structure and kind of making it, you know, completely customizable and allowing it to have some sort of functioning extraction is a significantly large task. And it felt like the importance of getting a solid on-chain Oracle in tandem with, you know, allowing Beanstalk to access kind of uh, decentralized tokens again as its liquidity, uh, you know, seemed like a good place to start when releasing the first version. And, you know, that's ultimately where things, how things have gone to where they are. Um, you know, kind of, so going forward, you know, what's, what's, what, what's to come is, you know, kind of thinking about ways to, it, it, you know, implement wells as a form of order book that allows for more customizability of interpretable on-chain information, while also trying to 
come up with you know some form of more long-term solution that allows control of the the actual uh, execution layer protocol so that uh, you know oracles uh, and potentially even things like liquidations can happen in a more permissionless fashion um, but you know uh, pl- you know so plenty of work to be done on that front um, yeah I mean I guess Publius, uh, you know, anything you felt was not covered in kind of that explanation? So maybe just to, to summarize it and then feel free to correct or amend. Uh, as it's currently being implemented, the, it, and from a theoretical perspective, the reason to have on-chain orders of any form is to be able to use the liquidity uh, as a source of some data price or value and the 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 current dex implementations ultimately were not able to support uh or do not support in practice uh on-chain data oracles such that they're usable for real financial activity and the the well implementation as it's currently built is relatively basic but it allows for being ETH to start trading, but the if if we return to the theoretical reason to post orders on chain, there's a question as to whether or not most orders will be placed on chain, and that's ultimately what Tractor uh, is. And so there's the on-chain liquidity uh, or on-chain order uh, tech stack or DEX, uh, which is generally falling under the Wells umbrella, and then you have Tractor, which is highly complementary and can use all of the same orders and stuff that exist on chain, or perhaps even in practice, the tractor orders will be the more sophisticated ones first. And then eventually there will be on-chain implementations uh, because of those more technical limitations around making those more, more uh, on-chain liquidity orders permissionless or how they're used be, be permissionless. So the, the open question around tractor is around having the the middleware or the off-chain uh, indexing uh, protocol that can support placing tractor orders on other chains or uh, other places where you don't even really need consensus for the orders. And now there's an open question as to how to index those orders. So anything that's placed on-chain, any orders that are placed through wells are obviously easier to index uh, than... Uh, indexing a variety of different things on multiple chains or so that that's one of the open questions. And then as you also highlighted, there's a, a larger theoretical question as to whether or not you can create an optimal uh, environment for financial activity without some sort of amendment to the execution layer itself and having oracles be updated at a minimum and also potentially liquidations be updated and so there's a question as to some middleware technology that needs to be built around indexing. Uh, then there's a question as to the base layer uh, execution environment that Beanstalk exists on, as well as a lot of the other tech that's being built and where it should exist. And then there's the actual question as to the integration with Beanstalk and how how to maximize the permissionlessness around orders and, and liquidity creation uh, for, for the silo and how Beanstalk can treat all that liquidity. So lots of different open questions that need to be answered and considered. Uh, one thing that perhaps uh, 
we'd like to get into a little bit more is the the middleware and indexing work that needs to be done because of how uh, relevant it seems to be given where the on-chain uh, order order development is at, and it seems like the off-chain orders is starting to become more of a least common denominator. But perhaps uh, at this point, before shifting and having some other people that are building some stuff in the ecosystem talk about what they're working on, uh, do people have any questions around wells or want uh, us to go into anything uh, more in detail that we've been talking about thus far? I'll ask a quick question if no one else has anything. A lot of the stuff that you guys were just talking about, the benefits, all the stuff was very theoretical. Do you guys have any good concrete examples of how some of the stuff might be used? Because even I was kind of struggling to understand a lot of what was being said. And I think I, it would be helpful if, at least for me, if I could kind of translate what you were saying to, 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 to something that, you know, to something concrete. Sure. So let's say that you have an order in a well uh, that is n-dimensional. So you're, you have some base liquidity that you've provided and you're willing to buy a bunch of different assets along different pricing functions. And the input to for those... a second? Go ahead. Sorry, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, go uh, ahead. When you say have an order in a well, my current understanding of a well is that it's similar to like, you know, what we're doing, what Curve and Uniswap are doing where it's a liquidity pool and it's a DEX, right? So if you go do a swap on like Curve, is there an order there? Or does Wells have a new concept of an order that is not analogous to something that would happen on Curve or Uniswap? Like, what is an order? That's a great question. So theoretically, the, you can think of a, a, a Uniswap pool or a Curve pool as being some order over a constant product function. So it's a willingness to buy or sell uh, two assets or three assets uh, over some constant product function. Now, uh, the, the general concept of a well is that the, the order can be abstracted beyond a single constant product pricing function and instead be an arbitrary pricing function along and dimensions. And so you can effectively create an order where you load up one or more assets into a, an order and then bid for as many other assets against those assets that you loaded up as liquidity as you want. And you can bid for, uh, for really any on-chain assets that you want uh, that you specify in the order. And the prices at which you are willing to buy those assets can be arbitrary pricing functions. Uh, and in particular, this is trying to get to the answer to the question that you asked before of an example uh, of where some of what we're talking about would exist in a practical sense. Uh, if the inputs to the functions are some uh, Oracle data uh, such that the Oracle needs to be updated uh, in order for the Oracle to be correct uh, or the, the on-chain Oracle needs to be updated whenever the data is updated. 
in order for the Oracle return result to be correct, uh, the, the Oracle needs to be updated uh, or the enforcement of the update to the Oracle needs to happen at the execution layer of the protocol. Whereas currently there's no way to guarantee if uh, the, the order in the well takes in some chain link Oracle as the data to enforce that the pump that determines the price determined the price in the well that is a function of some Oracle data is also getting updated. And so there needs to be some way to link the Oracles that are, are, are being derived from the liquidity that's being provided with the inputs to the orders themselves. And that, that would need to be enforced at the execution layer is one example. And so, you know, maybe you, Al, create some uh, order that or some, you know, some well with a pricing function that is always willing to, you know, buy beans uh, equal to the result of the Chainlink USDC ETH Oracle times 0.95. Um, you know, maybe someone else creates a well that is, you know, always willing to buy, you know, beans with USDC at some state variable. And that person own, is the owner of the well function contract and just updates that state variable to update the price this well is willing to, you know, buy beans at, you know, the, the option. And so now it's like, you know, what the current wells architecture allows for is one order in the fact that every, all of the liquidity added to this well is all one order defined by the well function where, it, you know, your well that's using the chain link Oracle feed versus this other person's well that's using the state variable are kind of willing to buy the same asset, but have completely different functions. And the aggregation of which order to sell into, meaning your well or this other person's well, is not taking place on chain. So in that sense, the implementation of wells is very much so a single order represented by this liquidity position. You compare it to something like Uniswap v3, where there are multiple different orders. Uniswap v3 has multiple different orders in that one can specify the price range that which they're willing to buy and sell from, but it still limits and customizability as you can't create one-sided buy orders. You can't specify uh, you know, the pricing function between the ranges. You can't use an Oracle as an input to that pricing function. So there becomes this trade-off, but you know, at the same time, Uniswap V3 is able to put the order book on chain actually. So at the time of both order creation and fulfillment, there is control of the execution flow. So it's kind of important to distinct between, you know, a single order solution where there are kind of N pools or N wells that with off-chain routing versus a solution where, you know, a single, uh, you know, liquidity pool, maybe called the well, maybe not, has N different orders that all you do is sell into that pool and it handles the routing between the orders. So that's a you know little clarification too. Hopefully it's helpful. Hobbs, can you talk a bit about the discovery process? So I think assuming that you know individuals are deploying their own wells with their own pricing functions, how would 
one, discover and trade against that well. Because I think one thing we've talked about in previous conversations is the fact that particularly early on, uh, there's going to be a need for more or less a permissioned registry, which is aware of safe pricing functions. Uh, but that kind of seems uh, orthogonal to having every uh, you know actor in the system be able to deploy a pricing function somewhat arbitrarily. Yeah, so ultimately, getting back to the question of why put the orders on chain is so that they can be used as proof of on-chain liquidity. Um, I guess, you know, kind of there are two different sides to the coin. It's, uh, you know, where, you know, they're, you know, kind of to one side on the order book side, uh, you know, which in this case is an off-chain indexing piece of technology similar to that of Tractor, where the order book aggregation of all these orders is not on chain like it would be for Uniswap v3, but is moved off chain. So the first set of kind of, you know, the first set of, or I guess, you know, kind of the first time where uh, on this side, there's a sort of, you know, off chain registry or whitelist where anyone who's running an order book, which could be a subgraph, it could be some custom piece of technology running on a server, it could be, you know, a subgraph running on your local computer, but it's some kind, some, some program that's, you know, reading the blockchain or some stream of order creation, you know, well creation and liquidity ads in the case of wells, in the case of tractor order creations, order fulfillments, order cancellations. And it's basically, you know, it's processing them all in one place where now, you know, uh, you know, there's some le level of abstraction on top of there, but ultimately to some degree, you know, this indexer is going to need to make judgment, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, have some sort of understanding about the nature of every single well function uh, on chain. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, potentially have some sort of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, perform some sort of judgment about which wells, uh, you know, might be, m might somehow be, uh, you know, not, not permitted in this particular order book, like, uh, in the case that it somehow performs some malicious action or steals assets, um, you know, but ultimately it'll be, you know, this is a permission, it would hope, you know, hopefully be a permissionless open source piece of technology where, you know, people can specify and, you know, kind of determine which well functions, that, uh, you know, they find are valid. Um, the current implementation of a well is such that, uh, you know, deployed wells are not necessarily trust, trust, you know, you can't necessarily, they're not necessarily non-malicious by default, but rather uh, by assessing, uh, you know, kind of the auger, the well function, pump and aquifer, uh, you know, that were used to deploy the well, uh, judgments can be derived about whether that well is behaving as a non-malicious well should. Um you know, so, you know, some sort of, you know, aggregate list of those different things will need to be maintained. Um, and what in the context of an on-chain Oracle registry, um, you know, kind of the, the judgment about different wells needs to be made. So getting back to kind of the one versus N order implementation style, on-chain, if each well is represented in the form of a single order, you know, the current well implementation with ERC-20 tokens as the kind of well, you know, order liquidity token, um, you know, some sort of aggregation needs to happen. Say there are, you know, five different beneath pools with substantial liquidity. Uh, 
And, you know, but it's still fragmented across those five different pools. There'll ultimately need to be some aggregation level, uh, you know, kind of Oracle, where it's somehow summating and averaging, you know, some liquidity weighted average uh, across all of the different wells with a substantial amount of liquidity. And, you know, kind of how many wells that includes, uh, you know, can kind of expand based on the fee limits of the particular EVM. And there can kind of be a permissionless ordering process where trusted, uh, you know, wells with the highest liquidity get added and automatically ones with low liquidity get bumped off. So a permissionless on-chain Oracle registry system could be created on-chain. But ultimately, currently, there does not seem to be a way to permissionlessly trust the individual well function, uh, auger, uh, or without also verifying that it was deployed by a valid aquifer. So kind of this creates this this, uh, interesting problem where, you know, now wells are this permissionless piece of technology, but they require trust in the components that deployed them in order to, in order to verify that they should be used for a particular thing. Um, And ultimately the hope is to minimize the number of times different components need to be deployed. And the hope is that with some small subset of components, you know, the number of ways that wells can be deployed slowly become uh, infinite and the demand to ever need or have to like whitelist, uh, you know, new different iterations of each of these things. For instance, you know, this, this, you know, protocol deemed aqueduct, which is, you know, uh, some sort of Oracle registry, um, you know, needs to know which pumps it can trust. It needs to know which pumps give legitimate cumulative balance uh, oracles to compute time-weighted average variables. Um, it needs to know which pumps give uh, uh, manipulation-resistant instantaneous oracle values. So kind of, you know, this, you know, ultimately leads to some level of required permission that will probably, you know, likely defer, you know, be, be put onto the aquifer or, or the aqueduct level um, where different aqueducts can be deployed with different permission settings, but a protocol like Beanstalk that you re- requires an aqueduct in order to, you know, de- determine the BDV of different tokens and you know which to- how much to mint based on different pools will require some sort of you know protocol upgrade if it needs to substitute aqueducts. And you know perhaps in the the co- topic of discussion, you know, kind of different. In subbing out different implementations of modules uh, is something that, you know, should might need to be considered in the context of governance. Um, so, you know, just in general, uh, you know, kind of, it's important to realize that the goal is to create a fully permissionless, customizable on-chain system. Um, but, you know, current solutions and, you know, always ha- happy to discuss, and I'm sure same is true for most of the Beanstalk community, but always happy to discuss how to reduce the the, the number of required permissioned uh, kind of components and you know ultimately the goal is full permissionless so uh, you know slowly working on taking steps and getting in that direction and uh, things are still very much you know an iterative process so uh, you know if anyone you know has comments or wants to get involved in the discussion would would, would love for someone to speak up or to you know dis- discuss whenever I have a couple of follow-up questions on this point but quickly for for those who are here I linked this figma diagram which has an explanation of uh, the aquifer and the aqueduct, which Publius is referring to. So this is our current uh, sort of thinking around 
the varying degrees of <clears throat> permissionlessness and permissioning for uh, for wells and the, the whole system. So if anybody has questions, uh, drop them in the, the chat or speak up. But I wanted to ask a couple follow-up questions on that, Publius, a little bit more tactically about uh, implementation. So with respect to wells, what you were saying earlier is that uh, what a well effectively allows with a customizable pricing function is for an individual to create some sort of arbitrary pricing curve to say, for example, like I'm willing to sell or buy beans at uh, at X price or within X price range. Um, would you think about how that would uh, how somebody would actually create that that well? Is your expectation that generally people will be deploying new well functions uh, that encode that themselves or do you think that more likely what will happen is a sort of a library of open source well functions with uh, you know different configurations will be uh, will be written such that users can uh, customize those using the uh, you know the, the extra call data functionality that's uh, that's embedded in in the current well implementation and the reason I ask is because it seems like if it's the former, then we kind of have a bit of a catch-22 with respect to security um, because uh, we've already admitted that well functions are more or less uh, guilty until proven innocent. But then if we also want to allow people to deploy them very frequently, uh, we, you know, that, that seems to uh, become a problem. Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Chad. Uh, you know, so kind of um, ultimately, you know, uh, in the current implementation of wells, you know, some sort of, you know, well function specific, uh, you know, indexing or aggregation or processing logic. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, and, you know, think, it, you know, it's probably safe to kind of uh as ba both routes can kind of be taken um you know what's important to realize is it's the nature of current uh you know off-chain technology that there is you know it, it is deployed somewhere and thus you know kind of uh you know unless the front end is deployed in decentralized sense there is some sort of way to kind of update permissions more easily than on chain whereas you know, adding a new well function to Beanstalk might require, you know, a full protocol upgrade, adding a new function to, uh, you know, maybe a subgraph is just a matter of creating some PR against the Beanstalk, you know, whatever subgraph repo is, or whatever technology is performing the indexing, um, and maybe a PR into the SDK technology for how to process. And, you know, ultimately, there, you know, probably should be some kind of uh, off-chain process of, you know, how to kind of add new well functions and new components. Um, but, you know, the question about whether every single well function can be trusted is quite, uh, is, is kind of nuanced. And, you know, ultimately there will be, you know, uh, like ultimately all wells, you can query the, uh, the output of a well through an on-chain function always. And you can know that the output, the function that gives you the output, you know, the get out function, uh, you know, handle, it performs the same math as the swap function, assuming two wells were deployed by a valid uh, auger, um, or this well was deployed by a valid auger. Um, 
you know, but there's no wet, but some, you know, but a malicious well-functioned creator could have ownership of that well-functioned contract and be able to basically front run your swap, uh, you know, and change the amount out, um, you know, and, you know, your, your swap will have a slippage parameter, yeah. but they could, you know, at least extract the maximum amount of MEV. Um, totally. So, you know, it's kind of like walking a thin line between it would be awesome to be able to trust all of them. Um, but, you know, think, uh, you know, some serious discussion should be done about uh, whether that's that's an option. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm not suggesting that we should we should uh, trust all of them, by the way. I think it's already pretty clear that, you know, that there's a lot of attack vectors and uh, it's just not going to work. I think the question comes back to the original uh, sort of impetus for wells which you you guys were describing related to being able to individually customize the uh the order book in a very sort of uh nuanced and individual way and i think the 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 part that isn't clicking for me is like actually how's an end user going to do that when we have this issue with uh the you know pricing function trust problem and the only way i can i can imagine this going down at least as it stands right now is if there are is some sort of library of pricing functions that are you know audited and validated that take in some you know either maintain their own state variables or uh, somehow take in some configuration, but I'm not you know I, is do you, do you see that as a suitable and like enough of a solution to achieve the order book uh, sort of result that that you were describing, or do we have to go well, one step further? I, I I think the the step further would be to actually work on the like the the main theory around these these pricing functions and the oracles that are derived from them and actually try to figure out rules like for example if the pricing function is monotonically increasing uh and there are no gaps uh what are the implications thereof like there there is something to be said for having the theory here uh ironed out and then building a library that is uh the 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 result of that theory but I feel like this is actually somewhere where you know if someone wanted to with a strong math background wanted to make this like their focus of work over the next couple months that there's a lot to be done there so I guess to that point yeah I mean, it seems, you know, it, there probably will be some need for some kind of maintained library. And ultimately, it will be up to each client or UI provider or whatever technology is interacting with the blockchain to make that judgment decision. But it, it does seem like it makes sense to try to, you know, pr provide some library of shared and common and, you know, generally accepted to be non-malicious pricing functions, augers, pumps with kind of the hope to be, you know, the hope being that there should be as few as possible as, you know, uh, better and more abstracted yet kind of trusting uh, well functions get created in the vein that Publius was describing. Do we have a sense for what, like, uh, like I think the Pizza Man mentioned the, the limit order example in chat. Like, do, do we have a list of what the common sort of uh, pricing patterns that somebody might want to create are such that we could start thinking about how those might actually get implemented in a in a pricing function itself. Yeah, that's a great point, Chad. But you know, kind of 
the the first question on kind of any type of order is does it belong in a well or does it belong you know in some off-chain order book and you know kind of the to discuss the pros and cons are that deploying a well is a relatively expensive event um you know kind of uh so you know there is significant overhead with kind of creating you know say i want to create some limit order contract like the one you know kind of described i just want to be able to place a buy order to buy beans at a price you know uh you know say say someone was doing this uh you know they could just deploy a function that is always willing to buy beans at some price in storage and their account can just have agency over that contract and you know just update the value they're willing to buy at so you know in the case where this person was you know will wanting to do some market making and you know frequently update that order and consistently use it um it might make sense to deploy through a well but you know kind of for you know kind of on the flip side tractor has free order creation tractor uses the fact that the existence of a signature signed by your private key is enough to prove that it was created by that address to leverage the ability to have an off-chain order as the existence of a signature signed by your wallet is an order now that order could be stored on a different blockchain it could be stored on ethereum it could be stored even in a centralized database could only be stored locally um but the point is order creation is free and, and still permissionless so you know say you wanted to do a one time buy order for bean you know you wanted to place an order to buy bean uh you know kind of wherever you want it uh you know uh and you know it and it might you know it would be free to create the order with tractor as it can be done off chain now again getting back to the reason of why things were put on chain is to have proof of liquidity a well function that's governed by some outside address you know currently is not a whitelisted well function um you know uh as as you know kind of the the order can be updated at any time without triggering an update to the oracle so as far as you know beanstalk and you know decentralized you know kind of proof of liquidity is concerned the there isn't much benefit to having that stored in a well to the ecosystem whereas something a well deployed with a you know trustable well function or a verified well function and a verified pump can now be used as a source of decentralized liquidity for defi and so you know th- there are kind of both cost you know cost you know pros and cons to putting liquidity on chain such as you know updating an order when transacting in volume might be easier for a user than you know repeatedly creating and updating uh tractor orders um and i guess you know anyone who's interested in potentially building one of these wells you know uh please feel free to reach out to anyone you know uh and just uh you know like it would be awesome to get some cool proof of concepts of you know kind of how wells can be used in creative ways and you know find ways to integrate them in a proper fashion kind of into the the beanstalk you know kind of general you know tech stack and you know kind of have some examples of how to integrate new kind of complex custom well functions uh you know into like an aggregation layer Can I try to uh spit back a little bit of the difference between tractor and wells with respect to the 
on and off chain orders and, and you tell me if it's right and hopefully I can do this in a way that uh, clears it up for for folks who are listening. So on on the Wells front, the idea is that all the liquidity is on chain. Uh, whereas with on the tractor side, the reason that it, uh, you can't really verify the liquidity that's uh, represented in tractor orders is because basically what I'm doing is I, I have some assets. I'm willing to buy beans for USDC or something like that. And I create this tractor uh, signature, which more or less encodes that I'm willing to do that. But the signature doesn't know if I actually still hold the USDC at the time that uh, somebody else tries to to take the other side of that of that order, right? Uh, at the time of order fulfillment. And so, what happens is, like, let's say I make this I make this offer, and then I actually send my USDC away. The order is now effectively invalid. And hopefully, we would have these off-chain indexers. And I guess one of the challenges of the off-chain indexers is to figure out when an order gets invalidated. Uh, but the point being is that you can't actually use the, uh, the the existence of the signature as proof that the order itself can be fulfilled. Is is that is that the correct breakdown? Yes, that is, Chad. And thank you for bringing that up as kind of the fact that an order can exist and and not be a valid order is kind of the crux of why the kind of off-chain indexing problem is going to be something that requires a lot of serious attention. I think if I remember right, um, OpenSea has a system that is similar to this and that has had issues, uh, is very powerful, but has had issues in the past uh, architecturally that uh, are worth looking into. Yes, that's a great point, Chad. You know, unfortunately, believe that their current uh, indexer is closed source, but if that's not the case, uh, you know, please someone correct in the comments and, you know, looking into how that was done, uh, you know, is would be very helpful. Um, however, it is worth noting that, you know, uh, the nature to which OpenSea, uh, you know, has built their indexer does not, you know, at least as far as I'm aware, uh, was not done with kind of the same decentralized ethos as mine as, you know, the Beanstalk community generally strives to have. Um, so just would kind of, you know, recommend that efforts probably steer to- more towards some sort of open source, uh, you know, composable, um, you know, solution where, you know, different clients can, you know, leverage the existing order book technology and customize it to their, you know, kind of desired, uh, you know, tailor it to their needs um, and, you know, even kind of manage their own whitelist or, you know, permission list locally. Cool. This is starting to make more sense to me. So uh, on the off-chain side, I mean, there's a whole world of stuff to talk about with respect to indexing, but it seems like it's more evident to me after this conversation that an area of research is just how customizable can pricing functions be to enable common on-chain order composition more or less and i think like the limit order example is a really good one pizza man and maybe what we can do is develop a list of of similar sort of structures and uh and and see if we can't devise some pricing functions that would allow people to execute those in wells Uh, i'm a little bit confused what a tractor order would what is signed have information about when the order is valid or not 
So effectively, and Pupilis, correct me if I if I get this wrong, um, the the tractor order itself is encoding a sequence of actions on chain. So in the example I gave of like the bean for USDC swap, effectively it's saying uh, I my account will send the uh, whoever fulfills the order this many USDC, and whoever fulfills the order has to send me this many beans, right? Um, and so when it's encoded, it's effectively encoding two transfers of tokens. Uh, but the the since it's just a list of actions, there's no concept of whether or not I have the the assets to fulfill my side of the order until uh, execution time, more or less. Like you have to go look and see, okay, well, I said I was going to send you a thousand USDC, but do I actually have it? Right, but so is there no concept of saying that I want this order to be fulfilled if it can be fulfilled before X block or time or something? So, so the order will not be able to be fulfilled, meaning if someone tries to fulfill and execute it, the order will fail on chain. And thus, it's no invalid order could ever be fulfilled. If you say you want to swap uh, up to you know 100 beans for USDC at a rate of one to one that expires at some date, um, and maybe can be used a maximum of like five times just to make up some more constraints. You know, uh, if any of those constraints were invalidated, the, no one could fulfill the order. However, for uh, the middleware or client to verify that each order is legitimate by just trying to fulfill it on chain would be an incredibly computational expensive way to determine what orders are valid or not. Ideally, you know, some sort of, you know, custom logic could be written such that, you know, kind of the, you know, kind of orders can be decoded into kind of what the requirements are for a user's on-chain state to be considered a valid order and then to index the combination of those orders with the on-chain state of the assets a user owns to kind of, you know, kind of continuously update the validity of different orders or not. So that... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Pupa, sorry. I guess to put it another way, Guy, like um, there's no way to call an on-chain function that can look at all of the orders and tell if they're still if they're still valid um so like if you take the example with the date right like we can have a, a tractor order that says uh this order is valid up until you know some date and then after that date passes it's not possible to be executed but then there's two problems so first indexers have to be able to interpret that fact right so they have to be able to look at the order somehow and say okay this one's now invalid i'm gonna like remove it from my off-chain order book so that's sort of a, an engineering problem, which we have some ideas of how to approach, but is really, uh, you know, it's pretty non-trivial. And then the second problem is like, even if you, even if you do that right, there's no on-chain way to be able to look at all of the orders that are posted uh, or that are available and say whether or not one is valid in its current implementation, like in, in, in the current state of the system, right? And so that's why the like the difference between on like I guess provable on chain liquidity and uh, tractor orders is is meaningful. I guess I'm more so asking if 
maybe one of you could walk through an example of, you know, a tractor user who, you know, signs this payload that goes to some off-chain database or something and then changes their mind uh, and doesn't want that to be executed. And I know you mentioned, like, you know, perhaps as part of this off-chain order, there would be, you know, conditions that have to be satisfied. But, you know, like the example you gave was that I no longer have the the, the USDC to buy the beans with. But what if I do have the USDC to buy the beans with and just don't want that to be executed anymore? Could you walk through that example? Yeah, this yeah. was how the the Unis oh, sorry the uh, op the OpenSea hack happened. By the way, it was this exact format because they basically messed up the cancellation process. But Pubs, maybe you can speak more to it from an engineering standpoint. So you know, kind of, it's it's just you know, uh, it's just a matter of having some on chain uh, position on the settlement chain, and you know, kind of, I guess one important kind of cost benefit analysis consideration to make when assessing this type of you know, uh, order book model, uh, you know, so appreciate uh, you bringing it up, Guy, is kind of that cancellations do need to happen on the fulfillment chain. So in order to cancel, you know, maybe you just have, you know, the, the contract could store a mapping of each like, or the hash of an order to a Boolean, and you could call the contract and it sets that Boolean to true, meaning it was canceled. But by default, all orders are assumed to be not canceled. There, you know, you can encode a function call in an order as, you know, an order contains some generalized pipeline call. So in that generalized pipeline call in the order, you could perform a contract call to a contract that's governed by you that has some true false variable such that you could set that variable to be false or true. Uh, you could base, you could have some condition in which if you cancel, if any of these other 10 order hashes have been uh, you know, executed, this order is no longer valid. Um, you know, the, the specifications for what can be set revolving around what cancels an order can be anything, but it does require execution of a function call on the base chain. Great, that makes sense. Could you also like pseudo cancel it by, you know, well, I guess I guess changing any conditions on the on the fulfillment chain would require a transaction too. So, never mind. I want to say thank you, Sync, for sharing this rare this rareable indexer. Uh, you know, probably will will be helpful. So, thank you. So, yeah, take a step back here and just ask. What are we going to build with all this? So why are we building Tractor? Why are we building some of this stuff? How, how are we going to ship this? When and, and ultimately, how is it good for Beanstalk? Well, that's one of the reasons why we're trying to have these calls is because it's very important that people understand what needs or should be built, needs to or should be built. And uh, without these types of discussions, it's very hard to imagine people actually raising their hands to build it. So at the end of the day, why does this technology need to exist? In order for DeFi to actually work, uh, you need the ability to encode uh, complex orders such that you don't need to have any sort of race condition to update the order. And so that's ultimately the goal of Wells. 
And then when it comes to gas efficiency, unless you're going to use the liquidity in some other protocol where you need provable liquidity, then you don't need to pay the gas to, to place the orders on chain in every instance. So that's where the need for Tractor comes from. And the need for the update to the execution layer to incorporate oracles into them uh, and also potentially liquidations for other, other, other more sophisticated borrowing and lending stuff, yada, yada, is uh, it's just ultimately what needs to happen. And so there's an open question as to how quickly we can get there. And the DAO's willingness to fund some of these projects is one of the main you know, uh, factors in how quickly we will get there. But this is just what, from a, a, a theoretical perspective, needs to happen in order to make DeFi work. And in order for there to be demand for beans, DeFi needs to be, be possible. So that's, that's where the inspiration for this comes from. But let's drill down into that a little bit because there's a big gap between let's make DeFi work and, you know, something that helps Beanstalk. And, and, and that line is not clear right now, right? So why is it sure. our job to make being DeFi work? And let's drill into why it. is so, it? Yeah. Th- th- there's only so much at the margin that improving the Beanstalk peg maintenance model can do to create a sustainable environment for Beanstalk to succeed. Even if Beanstalk sure. grows to $100 billion, go ahead. No, I was just saying, sure, yeah. E- e- even if Beanstalk grows to $100 billion, if all of that demand is from speculation and none of it is for actually using beans for economic activity, independent of how good the model is, it's probably not reasonable to expect that demand for $100 billion of beans to s- sustain. It's simply not. However, if 60% of that is demand for utility and 40% is demand for speculation, that's something that you can imagine at some point the utility outpacing the, the speculation. Even if the speculation goes to zero, yeah, you need a 50, 60% bump in utility, but that's always within range. So the goal is not to have Beanstalk be successful based on speculation from a perfect peg maintenance model, which again is not really possible, but at the margin, you could obviously spend all your time just tweaking the peg maintenance model to repeg beans immediately uh, through changing the gauge, uh, implementing a gauge system and all this other stuff. But the point is that without the infrastructure to facilitate real economic activity and real financial activity uh, in, a, in a permissionless fashion, then beanstalk's not going to work. And frankly, we didn't understand this when we started working on Beanstalk. We thought the thing that DeFi was missing was the money. So we started working on the money. And now we feel like Beanstalk is at a point where its, it, its status as an issuer of money is pretty good. And there is some work that needs to be done on the peg maintenance side. There's some work that needs to be done on the governance side. But from an economics perspective, it's pretty good. And at this point, for, from our perspective, there's a glaring hole, a glaring hole in terms of the other parts of the financial stack beyond the money that will facilitate the use of beans. And therefore, we view it as highly in the interest of the DAO to work on together constructing the infrastructure that will facilitate the use of beans for real economic activity. Right, but how does that happen? Like, How does Wells or Tractor help with beanstalk utility? 
That's a great question. So, increasing beanstalk utility. Like what's the product that is built using wells and tractor that ultimately leads to more beanstalk utility? Yeah, so one, one of the things we were hoping to get to on this call, which I uh, actually think that uh, Manifold had to hop, was talking about some of the stuff that's being built within the beanstalk ecosystem. And at the end of the day, if all of this technology is built in a highly composable fashion, the work that everyone is doing should ultimately fit together very nicely. So maybe to summarize a little bit of their work uh, uh, that, that's going on at Root, there's, there's a couple different uh, pieces of the Beanstalk stack that they're working on. One is uh, an update to the root token as an ERC-20 wrapper to improve the economic efficiency of the token, uh, which we, we, won't, we won't spend much time talking about right now. But the other is a, a, a token factory. And the token factory is the first implementation of uh, what we described in the the piece that we we put out uh, a couple weeks ago and the basic idea is that this will be a factory that facilitates the deployment of uh, smart contracts that issue tokens that settle based on effectively arbitrary uh, events and then settlement logic based on those events so uh, you can think about betting on sports you can think about betting on uh, beanstalk uh, data, you can think about betting on prices of other assets. Uh, these contracts or this contract or series of contracts will facilitate uh, the deployment of tokens that can be then traded in arbitrary fashion. So the, the tokens, uh, it's not going to be totally arbitrary what, what you can trade or what tokens you can create, but it will be pretty generalized even from, from, from the get-go. And then the question is, so great, you've got these tokens, but now how do you trade these tokens? Uh, if the goal is to create an ecosystem where uh, it's competitive with traditional finance, TradFi already has the ability to create custom derivatives and all sorts of futures and stuff. Uh, the question is now, how do you, assuming that the, the token factory facilitates the creation of uh, effectively arbitrary assets, uh, now you still need to trade them. So Wells and Tractor are needed to trade the assets in theory. Uh, now, depending on whether the assets need to be used for on-chain liquidations and other things would determine whether or not the liquidity provided to trade them should happen in Tractor or in Wells. Uh, but the concept is that you don't just need the creation of the assets that may be denominated in beans or denominated in roots, which in practice are being deposits, uh, you also need the infrastructure to trade them. As an example, would Root have been able to build all this without Wells or Tractor? And I'm very deliberate here in in, uh, in making the distinction between completely impossible to build without or less than ideal but still possible. Well, let, let's think about what that means. So in practice, the, the thing that Root has built is this token factory that will facilitate the creation of on-chain tokens, uh, tokens that exist on-chain that settle based on arbitrary settlement log logic and arbitrary Oracle data. 
Now that development uh, doesn't necessarily help demand for beans. The concept is, however, that if the tokens uh, that are used to mint or uh, denominate the the settlement of the assets is is in beans, and the question is, well, why would that happen? Well, because beans are the best money, and it's the thing that people want to denominate their bets in, uh, uh, or or their their positions in, or their tokens in. Then, through the creation of this token factory, and combined with the economics of beans, you could expect there to be demand for beans as a result of this. But it's not the most direct answer because at the end of the day. The tech should all be built in a sufficiently generalized fashion where people can use roots, they can use beans, they can use ETH, they can use USDC. They're going to use whatever currencies they want within the systems. The point is that if beans is the best money from an economics perspective for people to use, then you can expect through the creation of this technology for ultimately it to turn into demand for beans. Now, to your point about could could they support this without any any of the development from the DAO? Well, in this case, the development of wells has been exclusively, or not exclusively, but primarily derived, as we were talking about earlier, from Beanstalk's needs for on-chain data to be encoded. And as we've been thinking about the development of stuff like the pod marketplace, even though you can have the orders on-chain for the pod marketplace, there's no real reason to enforce that gas cost on users it's become clear that something like Tractor would be highly valuable uh, for users. So it, there's there's a high overlap between what it just naturally makes sense to build for Beanstalk directly and the pieces of the tech stack that could help out other pieces of the Beanstalk ecosystem that are building stuff that hopefully will turn into demand for beans. But it's not exactly a direct thing that will uh, turn into direct dividends or uh, demand for beans uh, as the dividend, let's call it. But the concept is that through the creation of a really sophisticated and simple composable tech stack uh, for financial activity, that ultimately it will result in demand for beans. Yeah, that seems like a bit of a risk, I'll be honest, because there's two, two, two sides to this. One is we're building really cool and advanced tech, no question about that but it's kind of hard to pitch its value to the rest of DeFi, right? It's, 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 it's complex in its nature, right? Even, even after listening to the descriptions of Wells and Tracton throughout this call, I still have more questions than I started with, right? So if it's not a quick thing to like demonstrate value to the rest of DeFi, that kind of sucks, right? Because then it won't be adopted easily. But secondly, even if it is adopted, and we go through this effort and we build all this cool, sophisticated tech and it does ultimately like get adopted by DeFi, if that still ultimately doesn't directly link to the, a benefit for Beanstalk, that raises another big question mark, right? And it just seems like there's this missing like, aha product or thing that, that people are going to, say like, oh, fuck, look what Beanstalk's doing. I can't wait for this thing to come out because I'm going to build something on top of this or I'm going to use this for this other thing. Meanwhile, the Beanstalk DAO is going to be you know, celebrating because that means 
more utility for Beanstalk. That's the thing that I'm having a hard time seeing personally. Well, I think that might be a, a really good indication of why these types of calls are so helpful. It's very clear to us that we're not doing a good enough job of communicating why we think some of this tech is so valuable. And so to that point, it's like, yeah, we need to do a better job of articulating why this stuff is so valuable. But do you maybe to, to be a little bit less technical with an answer and try again, uh, the idea is if you want to bet on stuff using beans, you need a DEX to bet on the stuff with. Does that make sense? No, because Paradox is in a DEX and that exists and I can bet on, being, on, on stuff with Paradox. So what, what are we doing differently? Well, paramutual... Yeah, go ahead. No, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 you go, please. Paramutual betting is like a very limited type of betting. And as we understand it, paramutual betting will be the thing that Root rolls out as uh, like the first betting stuff when it, when it rolls out their main thing. Uh, hopefully in the next couple months. But at the end of the day, when we talk about creating something that's competitive with current things that exist, most sports betting is not paramutual style. So you can have paramutual betting without a DEX, but you want real betting, you're going to need a DEX. Okay, I don't understand how betting works. I don't even really understand what paramutual means. So I'm not qualified to, to under <laughs> comment there. So maybe to explain, uh, in the paramutual model, the payout is a function of how much money was bet on each team. So there is no order book. Uh, you're just betting on teams, and then the payout is a function of the amount that was bet. Whereas in a, if you're betting on a spread or uh, taking the money line on a team, typically the odds are not a function of how much money was bet on each side. The odds that you receive are a, are a function of the price that you received at the time that you placed the bet, which is more of a, a traditional uh, order book exchange as opposed to a paramutual bet. And the concept is that the root token factory will facilitate the creation of tokens that are, for example, a binary token. Uh, you're betting on the winner of the Knicks Warriors, uh, where if the Knicks win token A is worth a, a bean or worth one root or worth one USDC. And if the Warriors win, then token B is worth one root or one USDC or one bean. And uh, the, the, the concept is that those tokens need to be traded somewhere. So there needs to be a DEX for those tokens to be traded. So uh, the, traded, the, Sorry, traded after they're minted with their value. Correct. Exactly right. But wait, because their value only comes when they're then swapped for something else. So their value doesn't come from the minter. Their value comes from the decks where they're traded. Well, it's like a collateralized token, right? So you create, let's say those Warriors uh, Knicks tonight, you oh, load it up that. with one root and you get A plus B. And then on the decks or on Tractor, you can then sell the A token and the B token for a given price. Okay. The, the, and the loading up portion can also take place in Tractor. So, you know, for instance, say the you, you know you want to denominate the order in a bean deposit. 
you can denominate the order in a bean deposit, have the order itself withdraw the bean, mint the A and B tokens, send the B tokens to someone else. Yeah, Silo Chad makes a great comment here. If we can do another example that's not betting, even here I'm struggling. Talking about line bets and all this terms, I, I lose. It's easy to lose track of what's being. Let's imagine. Up. Let's imagine a loan. So another project that's being worked on uh, is uh, another token generation factory for for loan. So the idea would be that you can specify uh, the term and interest rate, and uh, you can have you can have a, a, a loan contract effectively, or someone is uh, loading up some collateral. You can have over-collateralized, under-collateralized loans because the value of the loan is still being held by the contract. And the idea is that the terms of the loan are uh, result in the issuance of either a fungible or a semi-fungible token. Uh, the loan itself then needs to be able to be bought and sold on a DEX. So there, to some extent, there's a separation between the assets that are being created and you're going to have token generation factories that facilitate the creation of not just bets, but uh, a future or uh, more sophisticated loans than a future. And beyond the creation of the tokens that represent these assets on chain, you then need a place to trade them. Does that make sense? Kind of. Okay, so... Then this this new DEX is what? Where what's the follow up here? In other words, can I trade that asset on on Curve or Uniswap, or do we need? No, they don't let you do anything like that. Not even because close. you need custom well functions to handle. Well, why? This is what because they only support constant product functions along arbitrary curves. So, so if I have a token that represents. Yeah, so if I have a token that represents someone's mortgage, right? Yeah, that's you what, couldn't sell right? that on Curve. But this token would be what, like an ERC-20 or an ERC, like one of some der derivative thereof? Yeah, there's no reason. I mean, it depends what contract you use to create the mortgage representation. But assuming that you already had the home ownership represented on chain, you could now create the mortgage where the 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 ownership of the house as it's represented on chain is now posted as collateral. And now the loan and the representation of the mortgage is now some fungible token where the terms of the loan are incorporated in the contract that issues the token the contract that issues the token holds the token that represents ownership of the house as collateral for the loan. The contract issues ERC-20 tokens. So there's some fungible aspect of the, of the mortgage that's broken up into infinite many pieces. Uh, and oh, now the question is, so it's not just one token. Yeah, you can't now sell. But the point is, you can design this any way you want. Regardless, the current way that DEXs work don't support this at all. Literally don't support it at all. And they're not even in the roadmap of any of these DEXs that they're going to support things like this. And from our perspective, it's actually not that much stuff because of the way that ERC standards work 
and composability works. So the tech just needs to be built once. And then each piece and each part of it can be uh, further developed and the complexity can be further developed. But the concept is that right now you have things as ridiculous as Curve taking away the ability to encode uh, the on-chain data that is necessary to then be used by other protocols. It's like, that's the whole reason to post the orders on-chain in the first place. So there's just such a fundamental lack of direction in the development of DEXs as one example. And then lending contracts is another example. Like there's no composability in any of this stuff. So at the end of the day, we wish that we didn't feel like all of this is going to have to be developed by the Beanstalk DAO. But at the end of the day, no one else is doing it. But don't you think if no one else is doing it, then maybe it doesn't, it's not needed? Like why, why haven't other people built this? Why are well, other people seeing these problems? The, the short answer is because it doesn't seem like uh, people are, are seeing what needs to be built. There's not a lot of discussion on the theoretical stuff that we're talking about here. And we've tried to encourage some of that theoretical discussion through some of our writings, and no one really seems to be engaging us. So maybe that's a problem with distribution, uh, but we don't really know why people aren't doing it. From our perspective, it's pretty obvious that this is where it needs to go. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we've tried to be pretty rigorous in terms of our articulation as to the theoretical reasons why these, these things are necessary. At the end of the day, there's some like physical, not physical, but uh, metaphysical limitations that are imposed on on-chain activity that is imposed by the chains themselves. And so the, the questions that ultimately need to be asked and answered is given the nature of the limitations of the network and also what are those limitations and how can they be potentially amended. But given the limitations of the network, how can we collectively create an experience or, or opportunities that are competitive with current opportunities offered by centralized institutions? And these are like, that's curve, curve taking away the composability of its liquidity on chain is indicative of the fact that there's just no... There's no sense of answering those questions. It literally is antithetical to why you would have, uh, or anti. It's against or not in line with the theory of why you would have liquidity on chain in the first place. So it just shows total confusion and lack of direction. Okay, so let's just leap away from this particular thread for a second and let's say that like yes we build all the all these building blocks that are going to be the correct way for DeFi to function how do we make sure that after they're built they don't just sit there collecting dust well how do we make sure that in other words is our plan to build it and wait for them to come or would it be worth considering let's build it so that then we can build a proof of concept or a reference implementation or a whatever, you know, product in some of these categories to either I, show other people what it does or to just fucking make money off of it ourselves if we can do those things in a better way. That, that's the whole point, right? So to some extent, who is they will come? Well, first, the devs are going to come. 
And we've already started to see a major influx of people looking to build Beanstalk and build on top of Beanstalk. And at some point, we expect a lot of those people to have good ideas for, as you said, ways to monetize this and turn this into user-facing products. So there's a lot of work that needs to get done between here and there, but it's not that much. Like, you know, root paramutual betting will hopefully be up in the next couple months. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot, you know, over the next year that hopefully will actually start to be user-facing, but uh, there's also a lot of tech that we need to build collectively to get there. And would love to be more specific, but just don't don't know if uh, some of the teams are, are you know want to be public yet. Do you think Beanstalk itself should build some of these things that leverage the yes. technology that we're building? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like what? Well, I think when, when we talk about leverage the technology versus enable the technology, uh, I think it's more more enable the technology to then be leveraged. So don't think that the DAO should be in the business of funding private businesses, but should be in the business of developing uh, open source technology that enables really kick-ass new private business, if that makes sense. That's why we're talking about like this middleware stuff, uh, the execution layer research, uh, the 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 execution yeah execution layer research as well as the research on well orders and, and this is all work that someone's going to have to do and it, you know it, it, by far the most aligned group of people to get it done over the next year or two is the beanstalk down from our perspective. Do you think there's anything that we can do? So that as these future devs or current devs that come in and want to build off of the foundation that Beanstalk is laying down, is there anything that we can do to encourage uh, or enforce or basically make sure that ultimately ends up helping Beanstalk? Because like you said earlier, like Root could be building stuff. I mean, Paradox builds stuff and it doesn't really help Beanstalk that much, not yet at least. Uh, Root builds some stuff and Maybe it won't have a direct link to, you know, being stock utility. How do we make sure that all these people are going to benefit off of our work while not really increasing the utility of beans, beans themselves? So a couple of things. One, the, kind of disagree with your statement that the paradox root thing didn't help Beanstalk. There was some demand for beans to bet with for the first time, like non-speculative demand for beans. That was really cool. And as far as we understand it, Root has been working on their own version of the paramutual pools that are going to be way more gas efficient, way more generalized, such that they can launch lots of different pools. And that will hopefully turn into more demand for beans. So I want to just say, I feel like that is definitely positive development and ultimately was was a project that was incubated by Bean Sprout, has led to bean demand in, in small amounts, but uh, they're working on a new root token that's going to be even more economically efficient and I think they intend to denominate a lot of their markets in roots. So demand for those markets should turn into demand for beans. I mean, to some extent, I feel like the whole point is that there actually doesn't need to be 
any explicit way to lock in that it will turn into demand for beans because beans is economically very compelling to use. And in particular, if the tech stack facilitates using bean deposits or uh, an ERC-20 representation of deposits uh, in, in various protocols, we would expect them to be used because economically they're a very compelling asset to be used given their nature. So low volatility, positive carry is, it's the name of the game from an economics perspective. And beans are a very unique asset in that regard. Yeah. I don't know if I agree that uh, with your statement that we, we might not even care if these other people are building stuff that ultimately like, directly helps Beanstalk, right? Because ultimately we're investing, we're spending It's not money. about not care, it's that we don't we don't really have the 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 we don't we can't control it. Like we should never be looking for people to build non-generalized technology that only works for Beanstalk. That doesn't make sense. Sure, but it also doesn't make sense to be out here building tools that help the rest of the world at our expense that don't help us, right? Well, they do help us. They just also help everyone else. That's the question, though, because it's not clear how they help us, right? Like, there's this very abstract, like, you know, fuzzy link between how they help us <laughs> and what they're building. Well, let me try to let me try to restate it in 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 succinct fashion. So, Beanstalk issues beans, which are meant to be used as money. Uh, money is used. Uh, for for economic activity. Uh, if beans are only used to be speculated on the value of future beans and not for economic activity, the system is guaranteed to explode at some point. Therefore, the question becomes, how do we facilitate as a DAO that wants Beanstalk to succeed in perpetuity, how do we facil facilitate beans to be used for economic activity? Uh, that's the the question that we are trying to answer. Now, from our perspective, the majority of economic activity can be broken down into trades, exchanges, and uh, loans. And the, the concept is that the decks that we've been talking about basically for most of this call uh, is, is, as we understand it, the most generalized way to implement an architecture for on-chain exchange of assets such that over time, the type of exchanges that can be built on top of this technology is arbitrary and therefore competitive with uh, centralized trading experiences. And then the other major form of economic activity, as we understand it, uh, that would hopefully uh, be what beans are used for, is loans. And so the, the, the concept of a token generation factory uh, or a loan generation factory, is that the tokens are representations of loans. So when you're betting on the Knicks Warriors game, you're actually lending the bean or the root or the USDC to the to the betting contract, and then the betting contract settles the loan based on some oracle. That's no different than uh, a future on the on the price of ether or the yield from the silo or when pods become harvestable. Uh, it's just some oracle that settles some value. And 
the concept is that that can be extended to real loans, uh, mortgages, as you were suggesting. So the basic concept is that what's being worked on is on chain, the various pieces of a composable financial stack to facilitate real economic activity with beans. And then there's also a ton of questions around beyond just the on-chain stack, what about the execution layer itself uh, to facilitate all this stuff? How can that actually help get uh, to a place where there's a more competitive uh, 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 environment to trade than on a, on a centralized exchange? Uh, beyond the, the ex- execution environment and the on-chain stuff, there's a question as to building uh, middleware and front-end tech that is both censorship resistant, meaning it's decentralized, uh, and also creating a user experience that enables the use of the the on-chain stuff in a way that's really elegant and competitive with with current centralized experiences. So this is not a small problem. If Beanstalk is to become the base of a new economy, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And uh, uh, to your point earlier, Albin, about why do we have to build this all ourselves? We really hope that we ultimately don't have to build this all ourselves and hope that a lot of this other stuff is built by lots of other people. And there's a ton of exciting development happening across the crypto space as a whole. But in particular, if you look at the the landscape around DeFi in particular, it's really ugly what's going on. And so Beanstalk and the Dow needs to, from our perspective, really set an example for what needs to get developed and how to develop it in order to hopefully create an environment where we don't have to keep doing all the work. But really, if you look at DeFi, and again, we would define finance as uh, trading and lending primarily, uh, that that the the contracts uh, and and the technology that facilitates that type of activity right now is is horrible, and the development of the technology is not indicative that it's going to improve anytime soon. And therefore, if the goal of the DAO is to facilitate the use of beans for real economic activity, we and, and not just at some point, but sometime soon. Uh, it is in the interest of the DAO to fund the development of this core technology. It feels like a little bit of what uh, Albin is getting at is, um, you know, this philosophy around if you build the right incentives uh, and the right tech, that it's inevitable to some extent. And I think that's maybe sort of why the like nature of marketing Beanstalk historically has been in the spirit of just telling people about what it is and letting that speak for itself. Pubis, do you wanna do you wanna talk about that at all? I think you're hundred percent right, guy. Uh but this is a big but the there's a difference between telling people what's going on and telling people why they should care. And feel like to date, we have not done a good enough job uh, as Publius and and also the the community as a whole, uh, or the people working on the development, maybe is a better way to say it, haven't done a good enough job of explaining to the members of the community and, and the members of the DeFi community at large why they should care about these developments. And 
more concrete examples uh, and more things that make it very obvious why this stuff is necessary is probably really important and something that is, is highly lacking at the moment. So uh, appreciate very much Albion sort of asking for concrete examples and hope that some of the examples were were helpful, but also recognize that we need to have more of these discussions and also uh, probably write more of this stuff down uh, and, and have people comment on it. So just to be clear then, you, you do believe it's true that like building the right tech and explaining it well are the the primary two necessary conditions to people using it. Is that fair to say? No, I also think that you need people that are gonna take what what can be done and synthesize it into some amazing product. And but the, the, the problem is that you you can't really even do that synthesis right now because you don't have the tech to synthesize. Well, perhaps then that's the way we should be trying to explain the, the critical path, wherein, you know, it's not necessarily inevitable that Beanstalk takes off and is adopted if this tech is built, but it's hard to see any of that happening until then? That's definitely a reasonable framework. Also not the best battle cry to Albion's point, but it's reality. <laughs> All right, we ended up kind of getting lost on Wells on this call. Nonetheless, I feel like it was super constructive. Uh, would love to have another one of these calls in the next couple of days and maybe have some of the other core, core, core contributors talk about what they're working on and why they're working on it and uh, the status of it. Uh, and uh, then at some point also have some of the, the Beanstalk ecosystem participants like Root and some of the other protocols uh, talk about what they're actually building in more detail. And uh, you know, that's probably a, a good starting point for them for us to have more uh, theoretical discussions about many of the issues that have been raised uh, today and hopefully will be raised as more people talk about what they're working on. So we'll, we'll hold on for one more minute to see if people have any, uh, any other questions before we wrap up for the day, but I uh, felt like this was very constructive. All right, you guys. Talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Publius. See you guys. Thanks, everyone. See ya.